Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We want to welcome our online campus. So glad that you're with us today as well. We welcome you. We're glad that you're here. And it is a great time to be together. That three-week challenge is also for you to join us three weeks in a row and see what God does. We believe God can move in the room and through the room, right? So we're glad that you're with us today. 34 years ago, I volunteered at my church in Orlando. I was just crossing over into ministry at Super Channel 55 with Claude and Frieda Bowers. And I volunteered to be a driver for a conference to drive around guest speakers. And um, one of those guest speakers that I was in charge of driving was John Avanzini. He uh, was so kind to me that we built a relationship. And the next time he came back to preach, I volunteered. I said, let me be his driver. And so years later, we ran into each other at a conference after we started Now Church in 1990, which was in Spirit Life. We met at a conference, and he said, I heard you're pastoring now. He still remembered me, and it really meant a lot to me. And he said, I, I want to come preach for you. I said, well, when we get in our new building, which is this one, we want you to come. So in 1996, when we got in this building in March of 96, the next, about November, he came for the first time in late 96. And all I can tell you is that there are very few people in the world who carry an apostolic, prophetic breakthrough anointing, what I call a breakthrough anointing. That weekend we had with John Mazzini in 96 <clears throat> changed this church. It changed the whole trajectory of our businesses, of our salespeople, of the ideas in the church, the knowledge of witty inventions. Everything shifted and went to a higher level in that first weekend that he came. He means a lot to us. Over the years, my wife and I have gone to see he and his wife in Fort Worth, built relationship. He texts me all the time and we text back and forth. He's now 85 and a half years old. And Sister Pat, listen, they were married 66 and a half years. She just went to heaven in August. It wasn't COVID. She went to heaven in August. She'd been through a lot of battles and she got tired. And he's just a, a wonderful man of God. I want you to get up on your feet and I want you to welcome one of God's generals, Dr. John Evanzini. Welcome him today. Tell that person near to you that Brother John thinks they look real nice. And I give her some Texas, Texas, real nice. Tell them to look real nice. All right, look real nice. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, Sister Pat, she went to be with the Lord. I told someone the other day she left me for another man. She was the kind of a lady that would have got a chuckle out of that. And then the the I just can't wait till I can leave with him and spend an eternity in heaven. There's a wonderful place called heaven. It's real. Doesn't matter what the modern liberal churches say. 
It's real, and we're going to be there one day through the endless ages. Amen. And then uh, I just thank God for this great church. One of the great things about this church, I don't know, whether, I'm sure you picked up on it, is, and the word, the name now, that, that name change was perfect. Because this is not what some denomination was doing in this town and then called a new pastor in. This was a, a person just wet with the dew of Jordan on his brow. He was ready to do something for God. And they came here and they built what fit today. And that's what, you know, I go from church to church to place to place and I can just about see where the mindset is of the pastors by where their people are. And I do see you as a now people. God's been very good to me over the years. I came forth from, uh, started as a hod carrier, as a bricklayer, worked my way up to being a bricklayer. In the process of time, just before I, I was got into that business, I met Sister Pat, married her. We've had five children. Praise God. And the other day, now take a minute and tell you a good story. The other day, my sister got a leaf on Ancestry.com. And I have a daughter from before our marriage that I didn't know about. But she's back with us. Sister Pat grabbed her and said, you're no orphan, you're mine. My five kids wrapped around her. And let me tell you, it could have been a train wreck if Jesus wasn't in our home. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, life is real. If you don't think life is real, just let somebody find out what all you did. <laughs> Amen. So... So Lori, Lori said, and, and, and said, well, did you do a, did you do a genetic test? No, no, no. My kids that, that after the big toe, the second toe was growed out right out to the middle joint. And so when the kids, first thing they did was compared pictures of their toes. And I told her the other night, I said, you got your toe in the door. Same identical toe, so we passed up the test. Well, I'm going to talk to you today about the Bible is a reward-based book. It's a reward-based book. Now, you can get inspiration from it, comfort, guidance, moral standing, standards, uh, inspiration, righteousness is taught in it, but the truth is it's a reward-motivated book. If you're against reward-motivated uh, theology, reward-motivated teachings, you're not going to be happy with this book because 80 times in the uh, authorized Bible, the King James authorized, 80 times the word reward is used. And then the primary user of the word, the one that used it more than anyone else, was, the, was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 17 times he talked about reward. You get into a real tough, tough problem if you start coming against reward motivation because our Savior spoke it. And then the, the second one, in the church, in authority, in doctrinal matters, the Apostle Paul, he said it 12 times. 12 times he said about reward. He talked about reward. Deuteronomy 28, it's amazing. The second through the 13th verse, and I'm going to skim over it. Time, is, time doesn't allow, but I'm just going to skim over it. And as I skim over it, you're going to see in there that God is totally reward motivated. It just goes on and on and on. Those few verses, it's again and again. In that uh, second verse of Deuteronomy 28, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Isn't that wonderful to know the blessings that will come on thee and overtake thee? Yeah. 
How many of you happy with that? Yes. Well, see, it's a reward-motivated deal. It's not for everybody. It's if thou shalt hearken unto the Lord, unto the voice of the Lord thy God. See, we get all mixed up sometimes. We get to thinking everything's coming our way. But almost every time there's an if, there's an and, but, there's something that you're going to do, and then the floodgate's going to move into your life. And that says you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, the third verse. And then you get down into the uh, fifth verse, and especially take a moment there. Blessed shall thou be in the basket and in the store. See, the basket is what you use, your checkbook, those things, how you do your daily and your weekly bills you pay. But your store is what you're saving. Here's a, here's a strange thing. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You're, you need to be building up a, a reserve. Because really, he says, uh, uh, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. Oh, oh, wait a minute. But lay up treasures in heaven. See, my treasures I'm laying up on earth right now are not for me. I got six kids and grandkids, about 11, 12 grandkids, that whole bunch. I'm laying up treasure for them. My treasure's being laid up in heaven. But I am floating in this, in this river of blessing that I'm bringing forth to the day. Uh, <laughs> I got to watch it. I'll take all day. It's uh, when you get 86 years old, 85 and a half years old teaching, and you got been in the gospel as long as I have, everywhere you look is, is a good, is blessings. Well, the sixth verse says you're going to be blessed coming in, blessed going out. And then this, uh, see, now the eighth verse says, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouse. Child of God, please hear me. Get your savings account started. If you don't have, a, if you just put a dollar a month in it, put something in that savings account. Because all of a sudden you'll catch hold of you. Wait a minute. I am not going to be able to make a living. All I hope I live longer than the time I can make a living. It's nice to live longer than you can make a living if you've got something set aside for it. If you don't, wow. Well, I'm going to leave that and I'm going to move to, uh, strange as it may seem, God used a reward motivation to win the lost. You know, uh, when, uh, when Acts 16, 30 through 31, when the jailer came in and said, what must I do to be saved? Now, see, some denominations, if, the, if Paul would have been from those denominations, he said, you don't have to do anything. Everybody's going to get saved. Or he might have said, you don't have to do anything. If you're not elect, you're not going to get saved, so forget it. No, no. The thing he says, it's not going to be that way. It's who, and Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You got to say, well, you know, salvation is free, but there's something you got to do. You got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if you're going to be saved. See, it's the reward motivation. Even in that point of getting saved, reward motivation comes in. And then the most amazing thing you're going to ever going to see, if it's a backslider here today, if you're not right where God wants you to be before this service is over, you get ready because God is going to bless you with finances. You know, I, we've always tried to bring the backslider home by, well, aren't you sorry you left the Lord? And some people aren't sorry they left the Lord. Uh, uh, Lot wasn't sorry he left the Lord. Lord, he was living in a fat city. He was sitting in the, he was a politician sitting in the gate of the city when, when, when the angel came there. So some backslid people are living real good. But here's what God says. If you'll come back, God says, I'll put money in your pocket. Wait a minute, Brother John. I never heard that. Well, yeah, you did. We just have our traditions. will bring us past things sometimes that we see with our eyes and we'll float right over them. Because Job 22 and verse 23 says, if thou shalt return to the Almighty. That's, that's, 
That's a, that's a backslider. Thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put iniquity far. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Orpher, and the stones of the brook. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. As a Baptist pastor, you know you can't save Baptists. So can only save you one time. So we're continuously looking for new people. That's why there's so many Baptists. They're everywhere. Because they, they, they can't rerun one on, on, a, on a slow night. They can't rerun of somebody that's, that's looking like, are you following me? But, 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 but anyway, as you see that, you come to find that uh, uh, talking about, oh, aren't you sorry that you left the Lord and I come back and well, there's restoration here in the house of God. Listen, God just says, come on home, backslider. Come on, said, I'll put money in your pocket. I'll see to it that you have plenty of silver. I want to bless you. See, if, if you don't think enough of yourself in Christ, you will be upset with the finance message. But if you know who you are in Christ Jesus, if you know you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, listen, if you spoil your kids, are you a, <laughs> have you got a dimension that your God doesn't have that he would want to spoil you? Yeah. Whew, think about that. Well, you know, I sure wish we had two cars. God says, you don't have to wish about that. You have to believe it. And if you believe it, there'll be two of them sitting out there. Well, I'd like for one of them to be new. Well, that's exactly what you'll have. You have one new one, you'll have one secondhand one. Or you can say, Lord, I'd like to have two new cars sitting in the driveway. Are you understand what I'm saying? God is, he's a cut above you as a father and mother. And he wants his children spoiled just as bad as you want your children spoiled. I wanted mine spoiled. I wanted them to have... You know, I, when I was a kid, they had the serious man had these double knee jeans. They were a sign that you did you, you was poor. You was one of the poor people in the church. I hated those jeans, but every year here we'd get those jeans. Well, thank God my kids never had to go with the double patch jeans because I mean, I've spoiled them. I spoiled them because God says, I'm spoiling you, son. How about your kids? Aren't you going to spoil yours? I'm going to spoil you. I said, yes, sir. Pour it on, dear Lord. Pour it on. By the way, let me say this about when I got saved. I didn't love God when I got saved. Bible said I hated him. I had no affection whatsoever for God. Actually, I used to curse him every third or fourth word that I'd speak. But I accepted him one night in a revival meeting in Largo, Florida, First Baptist Church. And that night, this sinner became a saint. Now, it took me a long time to find out who I was because it was, I am, in, in fact, I am as righteous as God in heaven in Christ Jesus. And if you see, and the last time when Jesus got back with his dad in heaven, next time you see him, he's wearing a golden girdle. It was not electroplated. Amen. Are, are you learning anything? You know, this uh, giving money to get money. I get that. So, yeah, you teach giving money to get money. You're not supposed to give to get. Well, see, this New Testament character started it all. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet with all, be measured unto you again. Are you picking that up? I mean, this is in the book. It's not me. It's Jesus that brings this up. And then please, please.
Please notice there's no limit on it. It's no limit on how much God wants to give you. He's, he's ready to give you whatever you'd like to have in your heart. If that bothers you, then God help your little old babies because maybe they're going to live with uh, not getting the things that you can put in their lives. See, God can afford to bless me with anything that I ask him for. He can afford to bless you with anything that you ask for. And just like your children, you'll bless them with anything you can afford to do. And there is no limit on what God can do. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? I hate limits. I go, into, I go into the grocery store the other day. Water. Buy one carton, and you get the other one free. Limit one. <laughs> and then I'm fond of chicken. So I'm looking at chicken, and it's buy one, get one for a dollar. I thought, I'm going to load the freezer up with chicken. <laughs> and it said, limit one. Well, the world system wants to bless you, but they limit the blessing. But Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. He said, I'm going beyond your wildest dream. <laughs> and then what I said a while ago about understand, are you, are you not worthy of it? You know, there was a long time I wasn't worthy of it because I'd even sing it. I'd sing, oh, I'd, I'd sing just loud as I could that I was a worm. So such a worm as I. That'll damage you singing that kind of stuff. Don't sing that stuff. I mean, it'll get down in you. You first thing you know, you get a worm attitude. Well, here's what Romans 8:32 says: He that spared not his own son. Now, how many know that was a precious gift he gave? Nothing more precious. Now, picture. And we just take a minute. You have God the Father, God the Word, and God the Spirit. But this God the Father has been a father throughout eternity. Doesn't have a son. But 2,000 years. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and God had a son. After an eternity of a heart, a, a father's heart, painting for a son, he gets one. And 33 and a half years later, he gives him for you. He lays him on a cross for you. Now, thank God he got him back. But along with him, everybody, it was like when we used to play uh, uh, little games and then all of a sudden hide and seek and all, and all of a sudden somebody said, Annie, Annie, everybody in free. And everybody that ran across that line for they called another was free. And God says, I want to save this whole world. I, and you are worthy you are worthy of the blessings of God because he gave his only begotten son. Now, he that fared out his own son, but delivered him up for us freely, how shall he not freely give us all things? He's anxious to do it. Oh, you, a, a, a new car? Sure, sure. Kia? Yeah, okay. A what? A Escalade? No, sorry. It's out of the question. That's too valuable. He's already given you the most valuable thing there is in the universe. What does he want to hold back? See, the, the holding back straps are right between your eyes. What holds you back from the blessings of God is right between your eyes as you talk yourself out of it because of what somebody, and watch this, your traditions, they come from somebody that loved you very much. And the reason traditions are hard to break because the people that love you the most gave them to you. Lester Miller took time to come and win me to Christ, bricklayer on the job with me, won me to Christ, 
And Lester taught me some wonderful things, but he taught me some things that weren't so. And I could, I'd, I'd almost fight you if you come against what Lester said because Lester won me to the Lord. But I had to break some things that Lester taught me that I could go on and get in some things that the Holy Ghost was wanting to teach me. A greater than Lester has come, oh hallelujah, and his name's a Holy Ghost. And he said, come, I'm going to take up my boat in you and I'm going to help you understand this book so that I can bless you the way I want to bless you and that you can bless the nations of this world the way it wants to. He said, I don't want to give you enough money. I want to give you more than enough money so that there's plenty left over to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, to do those things that God says in his word. Oh, this crowd is in agreement with me. And then, you know, people get, well, you know, how's, <laughs> I remember when I was in the traditional church and, and I showed up one time with a just about almost new Cadillac, almost new. And I, what do you think God will think of that? One person out in the parking lot, what do you think God will think of that? I said, well, I don't know. I got feeling bad about the Cadillac. Started parking further away from the door. But Psalm 35, 27 says, Let us shout for joy and be glad and favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them continually say, let them continue to say, Let the Lord be magnified with his pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Oh, glory to God. Are you getting that? My, my, my. What a book, what a book, what a book. You know, God approves of his people having gold and precious stones and jewelry. He loves it. You know, the first directions God ever gave Adam and Eve, they're standing in the garden. God says, okay, uh, the bathrooms are over here. Uh, the lunch will be served over here. We're going to put the garden is outside those doors right there. No. First thing he ever did, he said, look, that river you see going out, there's three others going out. Don't pay attention to them. Get your attention on the pious, pious and follow that out because there's gold out there. There's gold out there. Genesis 2.10. He says, uh, and he named the first his Pison, which encompasses the whole land, uh, which, which encompasses the whole land of Hivala, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. And the bedellum and the onyx stones. Child of God, God wants, God loves luxury. He likes gold. Has golden streets. Has a golden altar. Well, why is it that if you buy a ring, you, you don't go out and find a tumblebug and get his little prize? And have a ring made out of it. You know why? Because you have the divine nature in you. And if you can't make it gold, you'll ask, please electroplate it to look like gold. <laughs> it's your nature. You've got the divine nature and it's a rich nature. And then, oh, this one here. I don't know how, how you're going to take this or not. But John 2.10, the first miracle Jesus ever performed was a miracle of pure luxury. He didn't say, okay, boys, we're going down to the hospital. I'm going to perform my first miracle, and I want the whole world to know the compassion that I have for people. We're going to the hospital. He said, no, let's, let's go to the jail. We're going to take some people and get them out of jail. He said, no, we're going to a party. I'm not making this up. I'm just using language that's not usually used with it. We're going to a party, the wedding feast at the Cana of Galilee. No, we're going to a party's where we're going. Get it on. On the, on the third day, and we're in John 2 and the first 10 verses. And on the third day, a wedding took place in Cain of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. And when the wine ran out, 
Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? Jesus asked him, my hour's not yet come. Then mama says, do whatever he tells you to do. His mother told the servants, now six, wa six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Listen, they were washing their hands in that and washing their feet in this. <laughs> it was a nice, I mean, there's, there's, there's a joke here that, that, that only, the, only the people serving the wine caught it. They knew it where it came from. Each contained 30 gallons, 30 gallons. There's six of them. Jesus is the end of the party, and they've all drunk well, the Bible says. Now he runs off 180 gallons of wine. 180 gallons of wine. I mean, you, what you got to remember, this is the same guy that gave us all the stars in the sky. Nobody's figured out how many of them there are yet. And if you do get them counted, then there's a billion galaxies full of stars beyond them. <laughs> the great waster, the great waster, our God. He's making man. He's making man. And he's working on him. And he said, okay, Lord, we got 10 foot of intestine. Is that enough? Oh, yeah, it's enough. But throw in five more, seven. Throw in 12 more feet of intestine. <laughs> what difference does it make if you're the creator God of heaven? Are you, are you picking up what I'm trying to say to you? I mean, now. He said, we're going to have one. Well, let's just make nine, uh, 80 gallons of it. We'll just run off 80 gallons for him. Uh, and it goes on. It says, fill the jars with water. Jesus told them. And, fill, and so they filled them. Then, the eighth verse, said he to them, now draw some of it out and take to the, servant, to, to the chief servant. And they did. When the chief servant tasted the water after it had been wine, he did not know whether it came from. The servants who drew it knew the water. Boy, those servants had some faith in Jesus, didn't they? <laughs> They're bringing dishwater up there. <laughs> he called the groom and told him, everybody sets fine wine first. And after people have drunk freely and uh, the inferior, and you've kept the fine wine until now. Church, let me tell you, the longer you're with Jesus, you'll come to find the fine wine is always saved for last. <laughs> Woo! I tell you, the fine wine, the fine wine of Sister Pat, 66 and a half years. Of, and then it looks like, my God, and then doors open all over the world to me. Love World, one of the biggest, uh, there's half a billion people watch Love World. No, 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 this is out of uh, uh, Nigeria, Lagos. Pastor, the guy running it calls and says, Brother John, I grew up on what you taught. My, your books have actually been the foundation that built all this stuff that we have, all the love world and everything. He said, you're on 30 minutes a week free. Take finances off of it if you want to. The inspirational, not the one with the cowboy movies, but the one that is inspirational ministries all over the world. I got a call from David Cirillo. He says, oh, John, God just dropped it in my heart. You can have it all the time. We'll give you any time you want on that. You just mark where you want to be on there. Everything has popped up brand new in my life. 86 and a half years old, and I'm starting my life over again. Oh, I drank of the wine when Sister Pat was in my life. And I thought, oh, how dismal it's going to be. And boom, 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 all over the world, invitations come. Oh, child of God. He always saves the best wine for last. Your, your best days are always ahead of you if you're in Christ Jesus.
Well, let me just give you a little information about wine. <laughs> the auction in Geneva, this year, $233,000 for the prize bottle. $233,000 for one bottle of wine. <laughs> Most expensive wine ever to cross that auction was $550,000. That means you take the best outfit Rolls Royce of the world, every last thing they put on a car, drive it up, and the guy hands you a bottle of wine, and he leaves with it. Are you understanding? Well, how much do you think a bottle of that stuff Jesus made would go for on the wine auction? <laughs> Whatever it is, our God was the best at it. 50 million, 60 million, 100 million. Oh, child of God, are you getting what I'm trying to I'm not, I'm not a wine salesman. I don't care. <laughs> you know, God didn't, God didn't stop his children from personally taking the wealth and having it in their possession. In Exodus 12, 35 through 36, uh, there's a story there uh, uh, about all the luxuries are stripped off of the Egyptians. It's time to leave Egypt, and we find, and the Israelites, that Exodus 12, 35, and, and the Israelites did what Moses had told them and asked the Egyptians for gold and silver, jewelry, and clothing. The Lord made the Egyptians generous to the people, and they gave them what they had asked. So the Israelites stripped the Egyptians of its wealth, stripped them off, took everything they had. And then I give you just this little side note, just this little side note, okay? I got time. Deuteronomy 29.5. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxed old upon you, and the shoes are not waxed old upon your feet. Can you imagine 40 years, those clothes didn't wear out, shoes didn't wear out, and, and you didn't pick it up yet, did you? You didn't even pick it up yet, did you? There's kids left with shoes this big. Not only did the shoes not wear out, but they grew on their feet, and their shorts grew on their body, and their pants grew, and their shirts grew. I'm telling you, when you go on a miracle trip with God, a miracle trip with God, it might be through a wilderness, but you don't have to, you don't have to live a second-class life going through a wilderness if you're with God, Jehovah. Are we learning anything? Woo. That was a time God defeated. I'm going to skip that particular point. I'm going to go on to reward motivation. When David rises up and defeated Goliath. Now, we're going to read 1 Samuel 17. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him. Talking about Goliath. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man which has come up? Surely to defy Israel has come up. It shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to them that stood by him and said, what shall be done to the man that killeth uh, the Philistine and taketh away the reproach? For who is this when he heard that it was big money? when he heard it was the beautiful princess, when he heard that his father's house would be debt-free in Israel, he said, well, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to defy the armies of the law? Now, you know what he said? He was not, he was not dealing with anatomy. He said, who is this no covenant Philistine? He has no covenant. I have a covenant with the living God. I, I, he is outnumbered and the fool doesn't even know it. 
Oh, my God. Are you getting this? Now, now, what am I really wanting you to pick up out of this? What am I really wanting to get you to pick up out of this? I want you to pick out of this that Goliaths rise up sometimes. Don't run from your Goliaths because your Goliaths are the kingmakers in your life. You can't be king unless you destroy Goliath. Now, out here, we're getting ready to do a big, big addition to the property. We're going to make this thing very sociable. We're getting ready to make this thing where lots of people are going to walk in, feel real comfortable, and get involved with Jesus Christ. And Goliath stands there and says, well, we'll see about that. This is your time. This is your time to take and increase your finances into the church. Increase your finances into the church. Yes, there's a loan being used to build it, and, and there's a lot of finances having to come out of the congregation too, but the there could very well be that you could you could bring up enough finances into this thing that a part of that mortgage wouldn't even have to be taken. And you could be that much quicker getting out of debt with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And not only that, I found this. Whatever, I, whatever good thing I cause to happen for anybody else, the same thing happens for me. If you'll see to it that the finances are fat during the time of this construction, I mean fat, well, God will see to it that the finances get fat in your situation. Ephesians 6, 8. Ephesians 6, 8. Whatever good thing you cause to happen for anybody else, God will cause it to happen for you. If you don't think that doesn't work, go in the Bible, and I just drop this in. Go in the Bible to the 20th chapter of Genesis. Don't go now. And go to the last verse, and you'll see Abimelech's. Abraham opens the wombs at Abimelech's house with prayer. And the next word, Sarah conceives. 25 years, Sarah could not conceive. Finally, the wombs were opened at Abimelech's house, and God opened the wombs at Abraham's house. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? This thing worked. Whatever you cause to happen for somebody else, God will cause it to happen to you. If you'll see that this church is in fat city through the entire building, that the income is higher than it's ever been in this church during the building of that thing. I'm telling you, coming out the other side of it, there's things that you want built. There's things that you want done. There's places that you want to go. That some of you have decided, I'm not going to live another day in debt. I've got to get out of debt. It could be your ticket right out of debt. If you'll just keep it fat in those envelopes and fat in that offering plates, God says, you do it for my house, I'll do it for your house. I'll do it for your house. Are we learning anything? My mercy, I've still got nine minutes and 40, 39. No, it's 38. No, 37. <laughs> well, I feel that we're, I feel that we're coming through. What I'm trying to say, it's not taking as many pages to say it. Of course, I've been here many, many times. So much of these things. You already know things your pastor teaches. You already know you are not a people that are anti-abundance. You know that God wants to bless you. But let me move through quickly. Just one, just uh, reward motivation. Reward motivation. Where does it come from? Once again, from the Lord Jesus. Remember, he's the word. Anything written in the Old Testament, it's him saying it. It's him saying it, okay? Malachi 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And now, get this in your mind. Scripture for all, Hebrews interlinary Bible. 
it shows you that between the word and and prove is the word please. It's untranslated. It, it, it amazed me when I, just the other day is when I first saw it. But Jesus says, please prove me herewith. Would you just please, would you just please start tithing and let me show you how I can bless you. Can you imagine the God of heaven having to say, please? Have, and where does he say it? Please get saved? Didn't say that. He said, please. And, and I'll stop preaching if that word is not there. Please prove me now herewith. If I not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You know, today would be a good day to start. This would be a good day to start. I'll guarantee you, you can't, you can't tithe for a quarter. of uh, That's 13 weeks. You can't tithe 13 weeks and ever have anybody talk you out of it. They can't talk you out of it if you'll do it because that's time. That's when all of a sudden, the, all of a sudden you hear a noise behind you. What's that? Oh, it's the combine. It's right behind me. Just as soon as I'm throwing the seed down, the combine. Are you getting it? He said the, 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 the reapers will overtake the sowers in your life if you can just get in that sweet spot. And the sweet spot is the place where the tither stands. Well, we learned anything? Well, you know, Jesus became poor that you might be rich. Now, that's not rich in philosophies and rich in so many things that people try to make it. It's just simply talking about plutos is the word. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes hath he become poor that you might be rich. And that word is plutos. It means rich to have an abundance Plenty of outward possessions. The tither has that coming to him. And then let me just give you the mechanics of it. Can I give you the mechanics of it? Here's how it works. Now you got to know the traditional, the traditional interpretations or translations of the Bible were done by people that didn't understand the day we live in. They were a barter society. When the when the when when Texas was Septus was translated and became those derivatives that bring forth the King James and, and most of your translations come out of it, you'll find they did not, they did not, they were barter people. They didn't believe the common folks could have money. They believed that robber barons had it, land barons had it, politicians had it, kings had it, royalty had it, but the average citizen just had barter. And all over the Bible they're finding these words about what you're going to have, finances in your hands. Like the one verse in the Old Testament says, and he will, he, will convert the, the, he will convert the force of the Gentiles to you. What do I want with the force of the Gentiles? Ah, it's one of those gifts I say, I don't need that. Thank you, Lord. I know you had meant well, but I don't want it. It's a mistranslated word. It says, I will, I will transfer the wealth of the Gentiles into your hands. I said, okay, okay, come on, come on. Now, how does it work? See, in uh, Mark 4, you find th that as uh, Mark is speaking, he teaches about the seed that's planted in the garden. He says, if it gets in the wrong kind of soil, it won't produce. But you get it in the right soil, and it'll bring forth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And then you read a little bit further in Mark 4, and Jesus says, wait a minute. Look, I'm, you know that power that's in the seed, it's also in the Word. It also, gets, it, it also has seed power, which can come back 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. One grain of corn, you can plant it, and it'll come up with an average of 1,600 grains of corn 
that'll take the place of that one grain of corn. There's just nothing like it in the world for expansive, explosive increase. So now we didn't get that. We can't get it out of the Old Testament translations that there are. So we find that many times they just skip over the wealth of God that God has for his children. But in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, the living Bible, it is clear. It says with the sixth verse now, uh, remember this, if you give little, you will get little. Now, Paul is about to take and tell us that money given into the kingdom of God, it also is given seed power. And it can come back 30-fold. And it can come back 60-fold. And it can come back 100-fold. He said, remember this, if you give little, you will get little. He's taking up an offering at this point for the rich, for the, for the poor saints in Jerusalem. He says, who plants just a few seed will get only a small crop, but if he plants much, he will reap much. Everyone make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the ones God prizes. God's able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more. Please, child of God, stop praying for enough. Enough is not enough. You need more than enough. It takes more than enough to do what God is telling you to do. So there, there will be not only enough for your own needs, but plenty left joyf to give over joyf but plenty over to give joyfully to others. Ninth verse. It is as the scriptures say it, the goodly man gives generously to the poor. His good deeds will, will be an honor unto him forever. Tenth verse. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant. My goodness, he just turned over and given seed power to the money you put in the offering plate. The same power that happens if you take a, a, a grain of corn and plant it. Two ears, bang, about 1,800 grains of corn on, kernels of corn on that thing. God says, I'm going to give that kind of power to the money that you put in. And let me say, and it's even stronger if you put in the money that he tells you to put in. Don't put in the money that you can afford because you're already where what you can afford can get you. Did you hear what I just said? You are now where what you, what, those of you that are giving what you can afford, that you're, you're where you're going to be. And not bad. God's blessing you. But if you want to move beyond that, beyond that, God will give seed to the farmer to plant. Later on, good crops to harvest and eat. We'll give you more and more seed to plant and we'll make it to grow so that it can not only so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Yes, I'll give you much so that you can give away much. Where are we at on this? I've enjoyed talking to you today. You're easy to talk to because you're not hearing it for the first time when I say it. But hear me, Goliath will be standing in your front yard here in the next few days. You keep these offering plates fat. Even now, I just have in my heart, why don't we start right now with a special offering? Can I do that? Why don't we start with a special offering? Just a seed that that building never wants for anything. There's never wants for anything. That it's done, it's built, and then rapidly paid off. Would you prepare right now? Just would you? Are you peaceful with that, Pastor? Okay. I, I don't want to take liberties that I shouldn't take, but I felt that so in my spirit. If you need, a, if you need an envelope, as the offering plate comes by, I think you use that card. And uh, uh, we're going to take our time. Don't, don't, don't be pressurizing. I, I, 55 seconds, I'm up. But I'm now, as a senior ministry, I'm declaring a few more minutes for me. <laughs> you know, when you get to a situation like this building program, 
if you'll focus in it with your seed and then towards something you want done, maybe it has to do with your business. Maybe it has to do with some certification you got to get, some education you still got to get. Maybe there's something that's just standing in the way of your next big move in your life. I would make that the target, the seed, and I'd make the target that I said, God, I want this chain. I need to get this certification. Lord, I need to get this, I need to get this ball and chain of an education loan off of my leg. I need it dead and gone. You can, you can destroy those kind of things when a special time like this come up. When Goliath steps up, it's time to get some things done in your life. You say, oh, I'm glad you showed up, fella. I got some things I need to get done. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Goliath, good you showed up. Here, glad to have you. Online campus, oh, I'm, okay, yes, oh, my goodness. Yes, and we're such a, a faithful group. I mean, you're growing. You're growing good, the online group. Please be involved in this. Be involved in this. Amen. Okay. Father, I thank you there's more than enough. And we plant a seed that brings forth a desire, possibly a need, but also a desire. And we speak it's done in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor, take the pulpit. Amen. Would you give it up for Brother John Evanzini right there? Thank you, sir. What a great thing. Thank, thank you, brother. Thank, thank you, Pastor. You, Man of God. You know, the Bible says that you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And this has been one of the fathers of our faith that has been pouring into us out of relationship for these over 25 years. With the, if you count when we met, 34 years. Just out of some just moment of coincidence. Isn't it, isn't it good what God did? I need to give. If somebody's got the basket, I didn't get to put my seed in over here. Thank you. Thank you, Marcel. Listen, God wants to do something. Would you close your eyes right now? Maybe you've come today and you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life and this goes right over your head. You think, well, this is, a, this is about this or that or the other. Let me tell you something. What Brother John is talking about today is not money. It's not just money. He's talking about the true riches which begin with Jesus Christ being Lord of your life. The true riches are when you start to realize that money is just a tool, it's just a resource. It takes on the values of who has it. And the problem in our world is that most of the time, a lot of the times, the wrong people have it. And God wants to move it from where it's been stuck into the hands of the righteous because that will finance the end time harvest of what God wants to do. Revival is not cheap. Revival is expensive. And part of the expense of it is that we open our hearts and we begin to see our hearts open up to God and changed. Maybe you're here today and you've been one of those backsliders. Maybe you're like the prodigal who woke up one day in the hog pen of life and realized that you had it better off before. Maybe you raised in church and then, and you knew the Lord as a young person, but you've gotten away. I want to speak to you maybe at home or maybe you're in a hotel room somewhere. Right now, invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. How do you do it? You simply just open your mouth and say, Jesus, come in. Yes, I surrender. I give you the control. Here's the deal. 
It's about control. You're trying so hard to control your life. And now I'm talking to people that are saved, but you're still struggling. You're trying so hard to control your life that you're missing out on the freedom in Christ, which is giving up control to him, to the one who loves you more than you love yourself. If you're here today or you're online right now, we invite you to give Jesus control, to give Jesus the keys to your life. Maybe you're stuck. This is your moment. If you're here today in this room, hearing the sound of my voice, or maybe you're watching us online somewhere in the world, do something. Activate your faith. Jesus, many times when he did a miracle, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Uh, Stretch out your withered hand. And as they did, as they went, they were healed. As they did something, there are trigger points of faith. That's what this was about today. There are trigger points, and you got to pull the trigger. Jesus did the work, but you've got to accept his finished work. And you've got you to make the decision. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to have Brother John pray over those baskets when they get to the back before they put it all away. Because I know this represents something to you. And maybe you need a miracle in your body. Maybe you need a miracle in your soul. Maybe you need a miracle in your marriage. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you lift your hand up right now where you are? Pray for me. I want to get right with God. Pray for me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray for me. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough in my life. That's what this day is about. Father, we release your power. I join my faith with Brother John Evanzini. And we pray for every person whose hand is raised, every person whose heart is open, and we speak life to you. We speak life to you. We speak health to all of your flesh, life to your family, life to your marriage, life to your finances, life to your job and career. Live, dry bones. Live, gifts of God. And come into the room. In Jesus' name, be blessed and be filled fresh with his glory and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.